Hello and welcome to Hannah's Bank and Insights. I'm Daniel Marnie. On this week's economic update, we will reflect on what the latest quarterly analysis from the Bank of England tells us about the economic outlook, plus a look at the UK mortgage market as increasing numbers of households face higher interest rate payments. And we will conclude with a segment on what the recently concluded Google Data series tells about new normals following the pandemic. And join me to discuss this all is James Sprawl, Handels Bank and UK's Chief Economist. So James, let's uh, start with Thursday's decision from the MPC. Can you just outline what happened? Well, looking at what the Bank of England did uh, last Thursday, of course, they, they raised interest rates by 75 basis points, which is the most that they've done in a single uh, move since 1989. So that was clearly a big move. But I think um, while that was widely anticipated, uh, it's the sort of accompanying uh, both um, report that they put out and, and the press release and the press conference they had alongside it that are really interesting. So a few things about that. First of all, uh, they put out some forecasts of what's happening to the UK economy as a whole. Uh, and they said if interest rates were to go to where the market expects them to go, which is around four and three quarters, they were looking at a recession which would last from the middle of this year through all of next year. Uh, it would be a very long, very shallow recession. Um, and so clearly that's, that's going to be fairly significant. Um, but at the same time, uh, they're not just sure it's going to be as bad as all that. They also put out a forecast that said if interest rates were to, to stop at 3%, i.e. where they are now, uh, after the 75 basis point rise, they would see a much less significant uh, recession, but still a recession over the next couple of years. Now, um, there's lots of questions that come as a result of that. But of course, one of the, the key ones being what's happening to inflation. And the most recent inflation forecast continues to see inflation peaking in around about now, really, and then falling over the course of 2023, particularly the latter half of 2023 and then into 2024, where it goes below its long-term uh, target level of 2%. Looking at that in, in particular, I think some, some interesting things about, first of all, there are significant uncertainties in the inflationary forecast. That, and I'm not blaming the Bank of England at all. They're just things like, you know, how do we get a settlement in the Ukrainian crisis? Does it come through? Does the, do the Russians do something that is... Uh, unexpected and therefore leads to further energy price shocks. Any of these things can come through. Is there some sort of friction brewing within the Eurozone about the, the differencing in, in different inflation levels? Any of these things could add um, quite significant inflationary pressures for the UK and therefore they would have large knock-on effects. But our base case is that um, inflation does fall away over the course of 2023, probably not as quickly as we've seen it in, um, in the Bank of England's forecast. And that's largely because I think we are uh, having inflation over 8% as we've, we've seen does mean that lots of businesses are starting to put in place price changes and those price changes tend to take a while to both iterate through the economy and also be difficult to reverse. So if, if the more that the price changes are, for instance, about wages, the more that that sort of thing becomes a lot stickier uh, than it has been before. So I think that that's, that's one of the major issues coming through in all of that. Also really critical was what happened in terms of quantitative tightening. Now, quantitative tightening uh, is something the Bank of England has been wanting to do. They started passive quantitative tightening at the beginning of March of this year, and they had wanted to start uh, active, which is to say selling bonds within their uh, asset purchase program. And they wanted to start that at the beginning of October, but obviously there was a, a bit of market upset at that point, but they did start at the beginning of November. They sold 750 million pounds worth of gilts in a very oversubscribed issue. So clearly there was market appetite for all of that. 
But what is the impact of all this going to be on inflation? And the answer is, it's going to have an impact. How much of it comes to inflation in the way that we measure it, i.e. through goods and services, ongoing charges, how much of it comes through in the form of taking down asset values remains to be seen. But we also do think that you know, taking down of asset values is going to slow the economy overall. So clear that we're going to be in a high inflation environment and a recessionary environment at the same time. Mm. It just depends on scale. James, if we had this conversation six months ago, the big hope was that we would see a deployment of business and household savings into the economy to try and drive growth. Is there any sign that we could see that over the coming quarters? I wish there was, but I can't see it. The Bank of England's recent money and credit data came out. Mortgage lending is falling. Um, that's pretty, pretty natural given the circumstances. And we can see that consumer uh, confidence remains very, very low. And, and in those sort of circumstances, um, uh, it's unsurprising that, that most consumers are not purchasing houses. But uh, I think some, some clear things coming through and all that. One of the big questions that we had in our forecast was what was going to happen to that savings rate? Were people going to continue to lower the amount of money they saved in order to spend, in which case we were going to be able to see us skirting a recession? Or were people going to get nervous and start to save more and therefore cut down on spending and therefore make that recession that much more likely? And um, the most recent data from the Bank of England is that the savings and deposits are in fact increasing. So people are saving more. So that does point to the nervousness that's come through into the market. And we've seen an enormous amount of I think, longer term savings rising, and therefore it's, it's going to be that much more problematic. If we look at corporate debt and what's going on there, what we've seen over the last few months has been that uh, corporations have been taking a fairly pragmatic view of it all, which is to say, you know, most corporate debt is, of course, floating rate, and therefore these interest rate rises matter them very, very quickly. Uh, and they are taking an, a cautionary approach and they're paying back debt. They want to keep their, their obviously, their outgoings, their cash flow impact of, of any debt repayment at least steady, and therefore they're paying back some of the principal. And I think that's going to continue on so long as those interest rate rises continue, uh, continue to come through. Now, of course, we do see interest rates peaking at 4%, which is somewhat below the market expectation. And so I do think that we're going to reach that by early next year, and therefore we're going to have a bit of a reset. But that's probably not going to come until, as I say, Q1 of next year. A lot of these negative indicators seem to be underpinned by this very bad consumer confidence, which you mentioned. If you look at the GFK measure, consumer confidence has never been lower since they introduced the measure, which was in 1974. When we've spoken about this before, I think you've said that you thought that's slightly overstating the problem. Do you still have that view, given how bad the outlook is? Oh, yes, um, because uh, you know, we, we are facing some challenges without question. But are they the most significant challenges we've faced since 1974? I think the answer would be no, they're, they're not. The late 70s were a particularly challenging time for the UK economy. This is nothing like as bad as, as that. So I, I'm not thinking that this is justified. Uh, certainly a slowdown is justified. And interestingly, whilst business confidence has now dipped negative, uh, it's nothing like as negative as consumer confidence. So I think that in general, things are um, over-egged on the consumer side. Okay, so a tiny bit of encouragement there. James, I know you've also been doing some work on the UK mortgage market. Obviously, there are a number of households that will be coming off fixed rate mortgages that can be very concerned over the next 18 months. Can you give us an insight into what you've been finding out? Yeah, so um, uh, looking at the number of, of mortgages and, and what's been happening to fixing, of course, if we look back to the last really great housing crisis in the UK, which was in the late 1980s, early 1990s, at that point, only about 10% of people were on any sort of fixed rate. And so when the Bank of England put up rates, everybody received a letter in those days, of course, not an email, um, saying that as of next month, 
your interest payments were going up. And therefore, of course, the transmission mechanism to the, the economy as a whole was, was very quick. Um, now that's not the case. Uh, now we have, um, we still pe people still on variable mortgages, but the vast, vast majority of people are on some sort of fixed. And it's really interesting because of course, the two-year fix, which is sort of what was prevalent in the market a couple of years ago, has been steadily losing ground to the five-year fixed. And now we've got majority people on a five-year fixed. Even still, about 25% of mortgages are renewed each year. And if we measure out in terms of how many people have a mortgage, how many people are, are owner-occupiers, that's about 7% of households are impacted each year by these, these mortgage rises. And of course, they are pretty considerable. Typically, somebody's going from probably high teens as a portion of their disposable income that is being devoted to mortgage repayments to something probably close to 30%. So there are big, big increases. And that, of course, means that a lot of spending has to get curtailed. And it's not just those people who are being hit by immediate mortgage rises, the you know, renegotiation of the mortgage that are being hit. It's also, of course, people anticipating that. So people may, may well have a couple of years left on their mortgage, but they still think, in two years' time, when my mortgage comes off, I will have to renegotiate. It will be more expensive. Therefore, I better start saving now so that when the time does come, I can put some of the savings against my pile of debt and therefore hopefully keep the total repayment costs down. Uh, I think that's obviously a pretty sensible approach, but it does curtail the amount of money that's going to be available for consumer spending in general. So we've seen a lot of that, that type coming through. Uh, and then alongside the mortgage costs, of course, we, we have all the other things which we're going to have to review in, in our GDP forecast post the budget. Uh, and that's the fiscal drag and, and the higher savings rate and the, the higher energy costs. Overall, we think it's probably going to be close to something like 4% of consumer expenditure is going to go down over the next few years each year. And that's going to be the sort of thing that does actually, of course, point to a big recession. Yes. And listening to that, you can see why the outlook is so bad that the outlook that the Bank of England published last week. James, just to conclude this episode of Handels Bank and Insights, I know ever since I've joined Handelsbank, at least, that you've looked quite closely at what Google data has been telling us about people's changed movements following the pandemic. But I believe the, the series is being wound up because things have settled in terms of a steady state. What is the new normal in terms of post-pandemic trends? So, yes, Google uh, mobility data, which tracks uh, where you are, where people are, uh, both here in the UK, but of course, across all of Europe, across America, etc. as well. And Google very helpfully published all of this data and updated it daily. And it gave us a really good snapshot of where people were moving. Were they on public transport? Were they in the workplace? Were they in retail? Were they just at home? Um, and it was a, a very, very valuable tool to see how people were going through the pandemic. They have wound the, the data up as of mid-October. And so we can now look at some things, you know, some things have, have uh, gone back and other things are, are seeing some sort of new normal. So um, in general, for instance, we can see that people are working from home probably one to one and a half days a week. Where that goes in the longer term, that's you know, going to be the sort of thing that develops over the course of the coming economic slowdown and um, how much people feel like they, they need to be in the office or they want to be in the office or, or how they might change their working patterns. But general, we can see that that's reached a new steady state, as I say, between one and a half and one day a week, really dependent upon, for instance, here in the UK, whether you're in a big city or not. And if you're in a big city, it's probably a day and a half. And if you're in the countryside, it's more like a day a week. Um, people spend about 5% more time at home. And of course, um, the 5% in the, the one and a half days a week, one day a week, uh, don't seem to match up. But of course, there's people spending more time at home. So 5% more time at home is, is more time in minutes uh, than um, they would have from working from home. So uh, we can see that. And also see there's a bias against, for instance, uh, super crowded spaces. So we can see that, for instance, in there's been a bit less use of public transport, uh, particularly tubes. 
Um, but also we can see in retail, where retail parks uh, have, have really recovered completely, whereas high streets a bit less so, and shopping malls. People don't like shopping malls quite as much, and so there's been some, some impact on that. So we can see some of the long-term changes that have come through and all of that, and they don't look like they're moving very much. So it looks like we've settled into a new steady state in many of these areas. Well, one note of optimism, I suppose, is that it sounds like we are in a post-COVID world. As you say, post-COVID world, and uh, post-COVID world with lots and lots of new things to think about. Indeed. So thank you very much, James. And thanks, everyone, for listening to Handel's Bank and Insights. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to register on the app where you're listening because it helps other people find us. And you may also want to share this episode on social media. See you next time.